lectures on sexism to come from Professor Warren. Buy your tickets now. The hall is certain to be packed. <laughs> In the front row, you'll see your favorite cable news commentators who are themselves lifelong warriors against sexism. Yes, it is true that these are the very same people who have spent months now acting as publicists for Michael Bloomberg and now Joe Biden, both of whom are demonstrably male. But in their hearts, our friends on TV were always rooting for the woman. That's the kind of people they are, highly unsexist people. Our country is so very uncomfortable with women in power. Wow. Men come into a race with the expectation that they're qualified. Women have to prove themselves. When a woman takes a hit, at particularly a male candidate, she, she takes a hit in her likability. Senator Warren was hammered on her Medicare for All plan yes. and yeah. her tax plans in a way that none of the men were exactly right. the entire last year. To me, that was a sexist double standard. She would have done much better um, if she were a man. And I would like more, more men to be vocal about the fact that they want to see women in positions of leadership. Yeah, sexism. She can see why Elizabeth Warren is so upset tonight. That's extraordinary. For, and, and it's funny, you think, wow, and then somebody points out um, every guy in the race has had the hell beat out of them for every single thing they've said, just like the women, and we're talking about Democratic voters, and the media was in love with Liz Warren, and the last Democratic nominee was a woman. Other than that, it's a pretty compelling narrative. And she had at least four of her big life stories that got unearthed as phony? Right. Four of her biggest stories she'd been telling her whole life turned out to be made up. That That's a, that's going to give you a big hit, man or woman. Yeah. God, there's so many men that get out of every race. Dozens that got out of the, the Republicans last time around when they had their 30 people on stage. Right. All those men. They just they just got booted out. They They, they were rejected on policy, I guess. Exactly, but the women—it's because of their gender. Yeah, that's just—it's just—it's just—it—it—it stretches believability. I would say it's like that Yale professor we were talking about earlier who tweeted, "This guy's a professor at Yale." Said there's only one possible explanation for what's happened to Liz Warren, and that's misogyny. Yes, yes, yes. That's, and, and this guy's—I think he's in the philosophy department, which means his whole gig is like examining things critically. And and critical is the right word. I think I think what's going on there—it's like the critical race theory, but it's a critical gender thing. In that you're either sexist or you're fighting sexism. There's right. no in between. And that person believes they're fighting sexism by declaring this. Doesn't matter if it's true or not. I'm fighting sexism, and if right. I'm not fighting sexism, I'm sexist. You know that the one or the other. And I, I, I've listened to enough of James Lindsay's YouTube videos. Yes. I'd almost guarantee you that's the case. Well, yeah. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up because uh, James has been talking about that in the absolutely fabulous piece. Um, I was reading excerpts from, I guess it was a week or two ago, about the 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 notes of a former radical. And one of the things he talks about is that uh, radical ideology inspires and justifies immoral actions. You have to keep this in mind, and I'm so glad you're putting that out, because you listen to stuff like that on the cable news, and you think, how can those people possibly not know that what they're saying is false? I think a lot of them do, but um, he, uh, the guy who wrote this piece points out that uh, according to, like, Leon Trotsky, for instance, a big uh, mover and shaker in the Bolshevik Revolution Russia, 
morality is a product of social development that more than any form of ideology has a class character. In other words, morality is just a bourgeois idea. And in fact, as a Ukrainian communist paper wrote in 1918, to us, all is permitted, for we are the first in the world to raise the sword, not in the name of enslaving or impressing anyone, but in the name of freeing all from bondage. Meaning, we are so pure, we are so admirable, we are so important, we cannot be bound with laws and morality. If we, for instance, go on the streets of Portland and beat people bloody and unconscious, like Antifa does, that's not bad. That's not bad, because we're revolutionaries. That's actually part of the ideology. So, yeah, no, 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 no. They don't care when you say, hey, that's wrong what you're doing. They know they don't they don't even accept the idea of right and wrong and they don't accept the idea of logic either. All there is is with us or against us. Just scary, man. Hmm. Anybody you can't possibly reason with is scary. And man, on the college campuses these days, they're actually teaching the kids reasoning is a method of the white supremacist patriarchy to control people. Don't accept logic and reasoning and morality. I swear to God, we ought to shut down America's university system and, <laughs> and reopen it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I just read a really interesting thing about uh, Mitch Daniels, who runs Purdue. Their uh, tuition is eleven grand a year, something like that, ten grand a year, and he refuses to raise it. He says we're not going to pad ourselves with seventy layers of various phony deans and the rest of it. Uh, I can't wait to finish reading it because hmm. it's really interesting. Bloated, um, corrupt, and dangerous America's university system. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. We got this text. My neighbor's sister is stuck here from China and is freaking out. She showed up with bags full of N95 masks, goggles, painters, suits, gloves, bleach, sanitizer, and wipes for her family. She's She was worried that it was going to be as bad here as in China. Um. I would be happy to do your retail sales for you, and we can split the profits 50-50. That is something. Yeah, yeah. We mentioned this earlier. The uh, smoking rate in uh, Wuhan, China, um, is uh, 50%. 50, including the elderly. So a lot of their death rate was 75-year-olds who chain smoke. So, yeah, but again, as we, we made the point uh, quite thoroughly earlier, I think the media is desperate to have you afraid, so you tune in. Fear and conflict are what they sell. Fear and conflict, and if there isn't enough uh, to, to cover their 24 hours a day of broadcasting, they make some up. Do you know who Joey Chestnut is? Joey Chestnut. Do I know who Joey Chestnut the is? The world's greatest eater. We've had him on the air a couple of times. He's San Jose's finest. Um, he's the best at this. He set a new record for Big Macs the other day. Mm. I still remember my first Big Mac. This was back in the early 70s when Americans went out to eat like once a month. Maybe. Uh, I need a Big Mac right now. I love me a Big Mac. I thought it was the best thing I'd ever had in my life. And I remember my parents for a while saying, it's a big sandwich, it's really probably too big, but finally they decided I was a big enough boy <laughs> to have a Big Mac. To all be patty special cheese, lettuce sauce, whatever it is. On a you sound like lunch. Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, you know the thing. We have that. Two all beef uh, created, 
There's no sand in bushwhacking, <laughs> horn swoggling, crocker crocker. He's gonna roll away, Mrs. Cutter. No, 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 the actual. The actual oh, Joe Biden. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the, go. You know the you know the thing. Cracker Crocker. God, I, I know exactly what's going on there with his mind. As my mind doesn't work as well as it used to. He's been doing that sort of thing his whole life, and he's really good at it. He's one of the all-time great. Get people in a room, give a stem winder, get them standing up, cheering speakers ever. Mm-hmm. And he gets that. He knows in his mind. Now's the time to hit him with that line, and he can't bring the words for it. No sand him, bushwhacking, horn swoggling, Crocker Crocker. He's going to roll away, Mrs. Cutter. Thank you, Mr. Vice yeah, President. It's frustrating because I have it on a lower level as I get older, where it's oh, yeah. just, it just you just can't bring, you know it, you yep. know exactly what it is, you just can't access it. Right. Right. Um, that's something. You know, I, I love the metaphors like computers. The, the processor slows down a little bit, but you have more data. And so you can make up for the, the slowing of your chip by the fact that you you know what time it is, as right. the kids say. Well, and if I give it a second, it'll come to me. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Back to Joey Chestnut, neating Big Macs, which is how we got on the tangent. Yes. Uh, he ate 32 Big Macs in 38 <gasps> minutes. Oh, Wow. The video's been posted on social media. I haven't looked at it. Uh, he had me- 32 Big Macs today. It would be astounding. I wonder if it's actually easier to eat them in 38 minutes than it would be to eat them in one day. I might have another challenge for you, Sean. Uh-oh. Because I, I, gave, I gave Sean $1,000 for eating 70 hot dogs in a week. Well, the idea was that uh, Joey Chestnut won the... Nathan's contest, eating 70, and Jack said, you couldn't eat 70 hot dogs in a week. And our old producer, I also offered $1,000, and he made it a half a day before he quit. the fabulous Scotty. Because you have to eat, well, obviously 70 in a week, you have to eat 10 hot dogs a day, seven days in a row. And I just thought, there's no way you can get up, eat three for breakfast, three for lunch, three for dinner, have one before bed, and then get up the next day and eat another hot dog. But Sean did it for an entire week. Oh, yeah, crushed it. But it, you didn't eat hot dogs for a while afterwards. No, more than a year passed before I <laughs> ate another one. <laughs> do you think you could eat 38 Big Macs? And, God, I don't even know if you could do that in a week. Oh, That's my a, God. Wow. Uh, once wow. again, I would have to be able to prepare them in the style that because there's a lot on the Big Mac that I'm not a fan of to begin with. So I think oh, I'd kind of be cheating. That's rough. Oh, yeah, that'd yeah. be hard. I mean, yeah. even it, it, just for the purposes of math, get it down to 35. I mean, five Big Macs a day? I could do it. I think Sean could do it. I could do it. You could eat. You think you could eat five Big Macs a day every day for a week? Yes. Yeah. I don't like the idea of giving you a thousand dollars. Well, but see, <laughs> I do it on his behalf. Well, seems weird uh, somehow. Well, listen, listen. I uh, this is it's a an idle boast because I won't do it. Uh, I'm working hard to control my weight right now for various health reasons. I just can't. It's an idle boast because my kids went crazy when I told them this story the other day. They said you gave. A thousand dollars. I said, "Well, the theory is it was worth a thousand, more than a thousand dollars worth of entertainment for the radio for a week." I actually came out ahead. That's oh yeah, the, that's my theory. Oh yeah, in terms of uh, something entertaining to listen to. Clearly, it wouldn't work the same way with Joe. <laughs> me giving him money. I don't no. know what would be going on. No, I take it, but you no, think, I'm not you, doing you that. think you could do it? Wow, I could. There's no way I could, and I love Big Mac. I'm, I'm giving myself a schedule. If I were to have, because you know, we get up very early in the morning. If I and. Oh, yeah, I th- I'm certain I could do it. Part of, <laughs> oh, certain. Part of the problem is you can't buy them until 
mid-morning anyways. So you're it would be harder than hot dogs. Yeah, your, you your just... breakfast ones you would have to buy the night before and reheat, which <laughs> makes it seem less appealing. Well, that is a logistical challenge yeah. I hadn't thought of. Yeah. Anyway, Joey yeah. Chestnut ate 32 Big Macs in 38 minutes. He said he was getting the meat sweats around halfway through. Mm. I'm already running the logistics on how I would run this playbook. Oh, me too. <laughs> it's, that would be 15 and a half pounds of Big Mac. Oh, See, that's... 18,000 calories. You can do it, Sean. If you found out we were doing that to Al-Qaeda guys in Gitmo, you'd say, we got to oh. stop that. That's that's inhumane. There'd be an outcry around the world. Well, right. <laughs> Seems insane to me. Uh, Joe will think it over, and maybe we got a challenge going. That'd be very exciting. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I am considering seeing how many Big Macs I could eat today to see if I could do that challenge myself. I might see, uh, I'm going to hit two on the way home because I'm not even certain I could eat a third Big Mac in one day, let alone five every day mm. for a week. A lot of Big Macs. You can I'll dream it, it, you can do it, Jack. Um, oh, so, that's beautiful. So there's a new <laughs> documentary coming out about what's the point of the documentary is it all about Lewinsky or is it just history, about Hillary man it's about history uh, it's primarily focused on Hillary yes um but the Clinton thing is the subject of a giant new Hulu documentary and that's where we got the clips where she said the whole Bernie thing is a joke and embarrassing and I feel sorry for his supporters that came out of that. Yes. Indeed um, I heard this gal interviewed who is the uh, director producer whatever she was and uh, she spent uh, four, five, six hours a day with Hillary for seven days interviewing her. So it was extraordinary access and, and plenty of tape if you want it. And interviewing Bill also. Right. Um, and so I'm going to play this clip uh, here. It's a little montage, and it includes um, an old clip of Bill and then a new clip of Bill talking about when he finally told Hillary. Have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I went and sat on the bed and talked to her. I told her exactly what happened, when it happened. I said, I feel terrible about it. I said, you know, we've been through quite a bit in the last two years. I said, I have no defense. This is inexcusable what I did. I was so, you know, personally just hurt and I, you know I can't believe this I can't believe you lied I, I, you know it just anyway was horrible and I said if this is going to be public you have got to go tell Chelsea she said well you have to go tell your daughter she yeah, said that's worse than me and so I did that which was Awful. I didn't want anything to do with him. He spent a lot of time, I guess, playing golf and talking to a couple of his friends. The couple deciding to stay together and seek counseling. I made a decision to stay with my husband. Look, I think that some people <clears throat> thought I'd made the right decision and some people... 
Okay, so I'm, I'm, I, the only thing, it's kind of, it's interesting from a, like, soap opera gossipy sort of, I'm, I'm looking at these people and wondering, I wonder if that was like. And Yeah, and what is their relationship anyway? But so. I can't stop thinking, why are you doing this? The interviews? Yeah, why? I always uh-huh. assume with the Clintons there's some angle. Why would you do this? Why would if you're done with politics, why the hell would you do this? Why would you relive this? Desperate need for attention. Okay, Above could be, it could all be else. That. It's something weird though. Why would you do this? Why would you you've been through, your lives have been laid out publicly maybe more than anybody in US history. Yeah. Why would you sit down and oh, you know what? I think I'll talk about it again and have 20 million people, maybe people that didn't even know about it. Now they can learn about it. Yeah, I don't Why? know. It's it's so difficult to actually know the heart of a politician because they're all so phony. Uh, I'm less cynical about Bill than, than some of y'all are. I, I have a feeling he just wants to get it out. Just if it's all out there, and he maybe doesn't, he doesn't have to hear about it. Anymore. And he doesn't feel like Before it's that, he's dead. He doesn't feel like that's already happened? I, I don't know. It is a, it's a good question. Bill Clinton, who would be the youngest candidate uh, running for office if he ran right now? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what their angle is. I, I, they're too old to be angling for anything politically. Aren't is, they? is revenge a dish best served hot? <laughs> no, it's cold, right? So, so but who's dragging he? him through all of this again publicly on camera <laughs> to finally Hillary's even the emotional up. score. Hillary's behind it. She's just trying to embarrass her husband. Yeah. Still enjoying it. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You never find. Listen, you'll get mad at me. You know, they said at the end. What? The worst I could say. Oh, you want that? You didn't say what are you wearing? No, it was even worse than that. But then, was even worse, worse, worse than what I said. Was I was just like, I don't know how you'll die. You will die. You're gonna smack me. Uh, Probably, Monica. What do you think I said? God only knows. What's the worst thing I could say? Do you love me? No. I love you. Yep. You didn't. I did. We're getting up and I'm like, I I love you, butthead. <laughs> no. I called him butthead. You didn't. I did. And what did he say? So that was it. He just kind of hung up. <laughs> I, I hung up. I was like, oh my God, what the hell just came out of my mouth? Yeah. Butthead. Butthead. When I had a girlfriend at age Sixteen? Fifteen. I can sort of stretch to think she might have had a conversation like that with a friend. As a as a teenager about her high school boyfriend. A White House intern having that conversation about the President of the United States just still boggles my mind. Anyway, we're just playing a clip from the new uh, Hillary documentary and kind of wondering... Why would Bill or Hillary want to relive this again? But I don't know. Maybe Joe's right. Maybe they just need the attention. Yes. I mean, we've all gone yes. through yes. different <laughs> kinds of difficult things in our lives, and I I don't want to sit down and be interviewed in front of a room full of people about them. No, not unless I felt like it was doing some good for yeah. somebody. Yeah. You know, if if I'm at, you know, I don't know, Idiot Husbands Anonymous or something like that, and <laughs> and, and I'm like, hey, listen, don't do what I did. I'd like to think I would be that generous, but why Bill was doing How excruciating having to go and tell your daughter? How old was Chelsea at that point? I don't know. I'm guessing she was like a high schooler. 
but she wouldn't have been yeah. that much younger than uh, than his girlfriend. Right. Yeah, telling your daughter would just be so humiliating. Yeah. Telling your son, he'd probably say, Dad, that's not cool, but was she hot? <laughs> oh, jeez. Um. I, I don't know if that's... <laughs> Bill thought that was hilarious. Bill, Bill still enjoying a good joke. It's good to hear. Hey, I wanted to get this story to you. We, we, we were big on this. Five years ago, four or five years ago, we went heavy on this story. It, you know, it reminds me a little of my rant of about an hour ago about... You know, liberty and and how you ought to be able to live your life without the government's permission, unless there's a specific interest that the, you know, we the people have protecting each other and the legislature passes a law. We've gotten way too used to being ordered around by the government in this country. But this was a story from uh, beautiful Oregon, fellow by the name of Mats Jarlstrom. You probably don't remember the name, but he was the guy whose wife got a red light camera ticket. And he's a trained engineer. And he thought there was something wrong with it. And he did all sorts of calculations. He did a long study of uh, speed limits and yellow light durations and these traffic cameras and the rest of it. And then he he submitted his research to the um to the the proper authorities and instead of them saying wow that's really thorough thank you and you know what you're right on some of this stuff they tr- they had him fined for practicing engineering without a license which is hilarious god dang it it, it is I mean, that's it the is, soviet union man it wow is, it is incredibly soviet it is uh, you know, to quote Pink Floyd, it's a, nearly a laugh, but it's really a cry. I mean, that is astonishing. Oh, yeah. They levied fines on him, saying that... God, Sean, could you find a smaller font? I'm not a young man. <laughs> anyway, what they said in the 2014 letter, fining him um, for practicing engineering without a license, is that even calling himself an electronics engineer and using the phrase, I am an engineer, were enough to create a violation that resulted in a fine. Well, he took the case to federal court, and they absolutely punched that board in the mouth and said, do you know what country you live in? It was a fabulous, firm-handed judicial spanking, which satisfied my soul. But the new wrinkle to this, and the reason I bring it up, is that the Institute of Traffic Engineers, which is an international group that publishes guidelines and best practices on this very thing, safety and mobility and traffic control and the rest of it, have issued a new comprehensive report on all this stuff and cited Mr. Jarlstrom's research as a key part of their updated yellow light timing formulas. So, not only has the formerly great and beautiful state of Oregon, which is so wrapped up in its own utopian fantasies, um, not only have they not fined this guy who's, who's truly... He's exactly what America is supposed to be. He sees uh, he sees a problem. He busts his ass to solve it, and they try to find him for it. Well, not only have they not find him for it, but he's being hailed as a leader in this. So good for you, Mr. Jarlstrom. And, and on behalf of sane Americans everywhere, and I mean this seriously, I apologize. I'm sorry you had to deal with this. How many people would have been involved in the decision to fine him for illegal engineering? Well, certainly multiple people. Yeah. 
I would like to hear Sad them interviewed. Me. What is wrong with you? Y- yeah. How do you see this country? Oof. What do you what do you think the idea of the United States of America is? Just go ahead. I'll I'll sit back. You say whatever you want to say. <laughs> I can't even imagine that. But uh, good for Mr. Jarlstrom. So we've got Lon He Chen coming up. He's one of the best political pundits in America. He's been involved in a number of uh, political campaigns at the highest level, running for president over the years. Anything happen in politics this week? Is there anything to talk about? Or? Not much. <laughs> That's next. Armstrong and Getty. All those you've been knocked down, counted out, left behind, this is your campaign. I got to believe people like Lonnie and others for decades to come are going to be studying what happened in a 72-hour period. That took a guy from dead to likely to get the nomination. I know. I mean, that's one of the great political science things that's ever happened. Lonnie Chen is the David and Diane Steffi Research Fellow at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University. Lonnie, how are you, sir? I am doing fine. What an incredible story, huh? Yeah, what, what's at the root of it? What were the real drivers in turning Joe Biden from uh, an embarrassment to the probable nominee? You know, I think there's going to be a really interesting set of stories written about how the Democratic establishment, how the Democratic uh, elite, if you will, made the decision to come together to get him uh, to sort of support him uh, at Sanders' expense. Because if you look at all of these things happening, right, Clyburn's endorsement, I think that was predictable. Obviously, Biden had to do well in South Carolina. He did much better than expected, so the media narrative got set up. And then you have the the Klobuchar, O'Rourke, Buttigieg endorsements. Uh, that clearly, in some way, had to have been orchestrated. And I, you know, I think when we spoke last time, we talked about the lessons of past campaigns. And if anything, I think Democrats were terrified of what happened to Republicans in 2016, and what they perceive happened to Republicans in 2016, when the establishment could not coalesce to stop Donald Trump. Now. Uh, you know, you could argue whether that would have helped or not. I think Donald Trump probably wins that primary regardless. But this time they wanted to do something about it. So all those things combined, I think, to create this crazy confluence of events that gets Joe Biden into the into the catbird seat, frankly. I think he is going to be the nominee of the Democratic Party. Is there such thing as political science or should it be called political art? <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, I think there's some things that are that are tried and true. I, I do think Biden got better on the campaign trail uh, during that you know week of South Carolina and the, the couple days in between South Carolina and Super Tuesday. I do think there's something to be said about the fact that these other candidates have not been able to build a coalition of voters that is at the core of the Democratic Party. If you cannot win African American support. Like Sanders has not shown an ability to win it. Buttigieg did. None of the, none of those other candidates did. If, if you can't win that support and that support is at the core of your coalition, you're going to be in trouble. And that's why Joe Biden has been successful is because he has this reliable core 
on which to rely, and that African-American support is really going to propel him, as well as support from older voters, that's really going to propel him, but, I think, going but forward. Like, how, well. about, how about winning all those states where he never visited and didn't have a single campaign worker? There's nobody thinks yeah. that's possible. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it, it, it does make you think a little bit how much the campaign infrastructure itself actually matters right. to, to, to elections. And actually, there, there is, in speaking of political science, there is this longstanding debate in political science about whether campaigns matter at all to the outcome. You know, there's some political scientists who say, look, the only thing that matters really at the end of the day are factors that are outside the candidate's control, like the strength of the economy, the makeup of the electorate, et cetera. And, you know, I mean, again, this is a big debate, but what what has become abundantly clear is that the fact that Joe Biden was able to win in a state like Texas, where he had one field office, and I think he ran like $30,000 worth of, I mean, a very small amount of money worth of ads. And to still be able to beat Bernie Sanders in that state speaks volumes about how how much we, we should value traditional campaign activities. Oh, yeah, that's well, really interesting. Well, I think the, the one of the the great factors might well be that we're just a nationalized country. That you go across this beautiful yeah. country, you used to see fifty different kinds of department store and grocery store and electronic store, and they're all locally owned. Now we're just we're all watching the same media. We're shopping at the same big box stores, and people in Tennessee aren't who's Joe Biden. They know perfectly well who <laughs> Joe Biden is and what he's done and the rest of it. You know, that's a great point. I mean, not only do we have nationalized media, we have social media that's global, right? I mean, right. You're, 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 yeah, you can curate your feed however you want to curate it. We don't have the same kind of emphasis anymore on local news channels that just aren't as important anymore. And you're right. When you've got a national dynamic and a national narrative and everybody starts talking about the comeback of Joe Biden, it's very hard to stop that narrative once it gets going. Hey, we've been debating this a little this morning. I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. So Bernie seems to be going with the angle of, um, and it, it might get harsher as we get closer to Michigan, uh, Biden's losing his mind. He's an old senile guy trying to be more pointed about that. Do you think that's fair game? It, it seems to me that it's fair to point out if an old guy's losing it, uh, we ought to know. Well, this has, to me, always been the the quandary with Bernie Sanders, which is that, you know, I know there's a conventional wisdom out there that he's going to be a hard, an easier mark for someone like Donald Trump. But the reality of Bernie Sanders is that he's willing to do and say anything, right? I mean, if you listen to him on the campaign trail, he will just straight up lie about stuff, or he'll just straight up say, you know, I mean, he, he employs these tactics, which have become all too familiar, where basically he dismisses any kind of opposition as being, you know, uh, false or, or being fake news. And slaves so, to the millionaires uh, and billionaires. Right. He just always pivots back to the billionaires. And so when you're thinking about the how he goes up against Biden, I, I would expect him to get a lot dirtier and a lot more uh, vicious, frankly, in his attack. Well, this is his last campaign. We were talking yeah. about this the other day. This is his last rodeo. It's not like he's got four years from now to look to. Well, and heck, I, I don't think he has four weeks from now to look to. I right. mean, he's got to win Michigan, for instance, right? Uh, he has to perform well in Michigan this okay. week. He's got to figure out you know, how to overperform in some states like Florida. His Castro comments are not going to be helpful in Florida. Huh. Uh, so he, he's got to – I mean, I, I think if you study the pathway for him, it's pretty narrow. Uh, he's really got to overperform in the same way that Biden overperformed in a state like Texas. But the problem for Bernie is that, that there's just not a whole lot of narrative change I see. Now, 
granted, Biden could completely mess it up, right? Biden could demonstrate that he really is kind of beyond his depth age-wise. He could demonstrate he doesn't have, you know, something that it takes. People could really could really ask questions about Biden. But assuming that... So they'll turn to the older guy. Now. <laughs> right? yeah. Although, it's, you exactly. know how it is. It's not yeah. the, the year, it's the mileage. Attack. Yeah, yeah, the older guy who yeah, had a heart attack. Just... But you've, you've advised people at a high level. Would you shut down the idea of going after somebody's mental competence, or do you think that's fair game? I mean, the rules that I played by when I was doing a lot of campaign work, I just don't know that they apply anymore. I mean, I remember <laughs> when I, you know, I'll tell you, this, this sounds like the 50 miles through, through snow and ice to get to school story, but really when I when I, you know, was active in campaigns, you know, as recently as four years ago, you would not call someone else a liar. You would not use the L word. You would say they prevaricated, that they were misleading. <laughs> you wouldn't call them a liar. And and now it's like liar, liar, liar. I mean, everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I, I, I don't know wow. how I would advise someone in this environment. I, I really don't. I mean, wow. I, I, I think it's fair game to talk about a candidate's competency and readiness for office. But to go directly after, you know, whether they're over the hill or senile or whatever, I mean, that I think is a little bit trickier and, and for me raises some, some ethical questions, quite frankly. I think it is absolutely ethical, but it's dangerous because if you come across as cruel or, or if people don't buy your argument that he is, in fact, around the bend and, and they look at themselves as seniors who vote or their, their sainted parents or whatever, and you're thinking, that's just, you're being mean to an do old you, guy. Do you think Trump's going right. to hold back on it? Mm, not so much. <laughs> no. Lonnie Chen is uh, with the Hoover Institution and Stanford University. Can't wait to talk after Michigan. It could be uh, all over but the shouting, so we'll look forward to it. It could be. We'll see. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you. How about him saying, you know, I haven't done this for a long time, four years ago. That's how much it's changed. Well said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wouldn't use the L word. Now it's liar, liar, liar all the time. Yeah. yeah well, because a lot of them are lying. Well, the, the truth, please. The truth is the first casualty of war and, and, and politics. And, you know, lies, damn lies, and statistics. There's this big fight going on over Fareed Zakaria's brilliant piece about how Rudy, uh, Rudy, <laughs> um, Bernie's. Oh, uh, wow. Oh, hey. Rudy. <laughs> oh, wow. How Bernie's Scandinavian <laughs> fantasy doesn't exist in Scandinavia. Now people are, are arguing online over all those statistics and the rest of it. So, yeah. Just don't don't worship politicians and don't swallow everything whole. There's a whole lot of BS there. Well, I don't. I think if I actually believe my opponent is senile, I think I'm hammering it all day long. If I actually believe it's true, yes, yeah, yeah. I I think I would spend a few minutes coming up with how you worded it, and and make it sound like. Concern for them slash pity. Cory Booker did a great job of it after the debate, in which Julian Castro got blasted for his inartful way of doing it. He was terrible. You know the oh, did you forget Joe? Did you forget what you said a minute ago? When it wasn't even appropriate. <laughs> and I remember after that debate, Cory Booker was interviewed, and he said, "We all we all sometimes listen to Joe and some of the kind of the word salads, and we think." Wow, what's uh, what's happening there? And we're all concerned about it. And I thought that was a really great way to yeah to to, to portray it. And but that's not the way Bernie's going to do it. Certainly not the way Trump's going to do it. No, <laughs> no. I don't think anybody would. I don't think there'd be a lot of backlash if he went with 
I think Joe Biden is a terrific guy with a great career, and I like him very much. But he has just lost way too much of his mental sharpness to be the president of the United States. And it pains me to say that. This is not. If you said that, you'd be fine, I think. This is not 2008, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, this idea is a bunch of malarkey. But as the Constitution reminds us, Jack. It's like the Declaration of Independence said. Exactly. It's our founding documents. All those who have been knocked down, counted out. No, no, no. As the founding documents make clear. (laughs) We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by... Go, you know the you know the thing. You know the thing? Go, whoa, no, go, no, you know the thing. If he has... That ain't good. If he has on the, the big debate stage, when you got 90 million people watching, him and Trump... And he does one of those, remember that long rambling piece he had the one time where he started talking about Venezuela and record players and whatever else came up during that? I just saw that uh, again (laughs) for the first time in a while. It was astounding. Yeah, his his handlers, I guarantee you, will be on pins and needles where he's going to unleash one of those in a 90-minute debate. Yeah, yeah. Or if he just wanders off. (laughs) (laughs) I just... I like winning arguments, so I'm thinking about Joe Biden. If he were to come out and say, listen, sometimes I stumble. I've been fighting a stutter since I was a kid, and and point at Trump and say, and this is the kind of bully you made fun of me as a child. That can no, score points. That's a good Donald, one. be ready for that. That's a good one right be there. Be ready. 